Are we on? You forgot your mic. It's on already. You had to point it up though. The hole should be facing downward. So this week in Deacon Charles's health, his Thank gout. Thank you. No, I don't have gout. <laughs> you made that up. We're going to tell you about his gout this week. I deny having gout. Only the true gout would deny that he has gout. Only someone with gout would deny they have gout. No, that's not true. Yes, it is. I know people have gout who tell me they have gout. Okay. Or told me they have gout. How can you deny something? This is not even not that true. funny. Let me just start again. This <laughs> no. is stupid. This is the best part of the whole show. It's going to goof around. I made a, a horn, a trumpet, out of uh, yeah. something on the table I didn't like. I watched, I woke <laughs> up at like 5.30 in the morning to watch the Queen's funeral. Mm -hmm. And one thing I really enjoyed was the trumpets. Mm. As a general rule, I hate trumpets. Why do you hate trumpets? I just find them irritating. They're very biblical, just like your so-called string instruments. That's true. They are. They're like one of the only instruments mentioned in the Bible. Mm -hmm. I love telling that to the organ fanatics. The organ is the king of the instruments. It's and the church's not, teaching says... It's not mentioned in the Bible, though. Yeah, it's, a reed, it's basically a bunch of reed instruments. Maybe not anymore. Now they're just digital. Sure. But a stringed instrument that, is still a real instrument. They're okay. superior. This is boring. I'm bored. This is boring. I don't care that much about music. All you music people. Um, how are you, Sam? This is what kids do when they have a rolled paper. They look through it. Boy! Man, oh! You're like a pirate now. Or a sea captain. My grandfather was a sea captain. Almost died more than once when he was out at sea, like 100 years ago. Um, once they were caught in a typhoon, they were going to go down. You know, you know what you have to do? Which the captain did. You actually have to aim for the water spout so you can pick up speed and then escape. That was weird. And uh, another time he drank something, which was in the, they had like a fridge, I guess, that he thought was like a soft drink or something, but it was actually like some kind of lead or something, some weird Ugh. stuff that almost killed him. Great. However, he survived. Apparently. And therefore, I'm here. Thank you to my grandparents, all four of them. Apparently, my great grandfather, great great grandfather, smuggled himself on a ship. Mm -hmm. In a bread box. In a bread box? You don't mean like a little bread no, box? No, not like like the one they kept the bread in. Right. Probably full of like weevils and well, rats. He does something to eat though. Yeah. So did like, he stay yeah, in the bread box the whole time? The whole way over from Europe. Whoa. That's that's what I heard. These are good stories and I believe them all. Mm -hmm. Gotta start somewhere. Uh, speaking of good stories, Jesus speaking tells... Starting, speaking of starting somewhere. I see Sunday's gospel from here. Uh, Jesus tells a story that I've always loved that you think is boring. I don't think it's boring. I just think we, it feels like two weeks ago that we talked about this one already. Yeah, it feels like it, but again, we every time I, every time I think that I'm always, you know, amazed. The Holy Spirit does always seem to show you something new, even though, you know, this is one of the ones that, you know. I think, Sam, you're proof if, of nothing else than you prove, you are living proof that you can be a total whatever, fill in the blank. Crazy what? guy, silly person, and deeply devout. You are very silly. Aren't you one of the silliest people I've no, ever it's met? the deeply devout part, but I don't know. No, oh. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, you are deeply devout. I'm not really devout. Okay. Am I? Yeah, you are. Okay. Well, deeply spiritual. <laughs> yeah. You are. I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Well, you're also deeply religious, fine. <laughs> what are you doing now? I'm getting a lifesaver, do you want one? No, that's gonna fresh, kill me. Fresh breath? No, mm -hmm. no sugar. Okay, I'm in a silly mood. You mean you're a silly person and being yourself? Yeah. I'm also silly. I just pretend not to be sometimes. Yeah, you have to be serious when we're in the public eye. Whereas everyone already knows what I'm like. True. Hey, 
That's really loud. And you just threw it in the ground. Well, I can't go to the garbage. We're on, we're on the air. True. I was going to put them in my eyes. Like glasses? Like this. Yeah, that's pretty good. I like that, actually. <laughs> you should do that for Halloween. The only problem is you have to like you keep your see. eyes scrunched up the whole time. There. You actually look like a person who's got like visually impaired because they've got, you know, whatever. Screw <laughs> their eyes. It's not that funny. It is kind of funny, especially with your head. Sorry. <laughs> True. <laughs> you're not as funny as you think you are, but you're half as funny as you think you are, which is pretty funny when you think about it. Okay. I'm ready. You are? So uh, I believe you start with prayer and then I read the passage. We have a few moments of silence and then we... Talk no, you it. give a backgrounder first. Oh yeah, backgrounder. So one I've of the I've been writing the backgrounder. That's true. I've not been very writing the backgrounder. Lazy. I am very lazy uh, these days. Although I, I love writing, I will hope to get back to that. But let me do a bit of a backgrounder here. Jesus is going to tell a story about money to people who, like maybe you or me, love money. Um, and he's going to say that basically, if you have money, that you have an obligation to those who don't. Which sounds if you're, if you're someone who's worked hard and earned money, um, you might think that's a bad idea because you're giving people an incentive not to work hard. That's one of the common reasons I hear from people like why they, they think we should not have any, we should not reach out to people in need because then you're encouraging them to, to be more dependent on you, which is actually, which can happen. Um, I help out with our local food bank in our little village. We have a group here called St. Vincent de Paul that gives um, food to people in need every couple of weeks. There's a group called Light on Main Street in, in Hanover that provides a, a meal and some fellowship for people every week. So there are different initiatives like that, Salvation Armies operating in town. Um, I've, I've tried to listen to people who have received help in the past or the present from, from groups like mine. And I think that when people need food, I feel like a real responsibility to be respectful of them as people. And I think what Jesus is trying to, will try to be illustrating here is that, um, the respect that every single person deserves. And respect does not mean you agree with their, the choices they're making. It does not mean you're going to do whatever they want just because they need it. Uh, but it's a recognition of the person as a person. And, and there's a clue that's not immediately evident in the story he's going to tell about a rich man and a poor man, which is the rich man is not given a name and the poor man is, which means that the poor man is being recognized by Jesus as someone of worth and value, someone whom is presented as a full person, whereas the rich man is just some anonymous rich guy. Um, and I think that's really important when someone comes, if, if I have the means, which most of my life I've had to help others, time, resources, that's money, et cetera, um, to recognize the person as a person and not to impose on them just because they're in need, not to judge them just because they're in need, that kind of thing. But there's more for us to talk about. I just, I just think that the most important thing I would like to come in the background, let me repeat, is Jesus recognizes that the, the the man who's poor and even dying, as it turns out, um, has a name. And that means he matters. And that's mm -hmm. our background for this week. So if you lead us in prayer. Okay. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. God in heaven, we praise and thank you for this day. Thank you for the beautiful sunshine. Thank you for giving us our lives, for sustaining us and allowing us to serve you. Thank you for calling us to be your disciples, for sending us on mission to the poor and the lost in our community, in our world. Thank you for using us and for making us your disciples. We pray, Lord, that today we would be moved on in that uh, mission as we look at this gospel, as we read it, as we allow the Holy Spirit to inspire us and inspire our conversation. We pray that all those who are watching may be inspired as well to uh, to reach out to someone near them in need as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This is from the Gospel of Luke, 
Chapter 16 Jesus said to the Pharisees, There was a rich man who dressed in purple garments and fine linen and dined sumptuously each day. And lying at his door was a poor man named Lazarus covered with sores who would gladly have eaten his fill of the scraps that fell from the rich man's table. Dogs even used to come and lick his sores. When the poor man died, he was carried away by, the, by angels to the bosom of Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. And from the netherworld, where he was in torment, he raised his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he cried out, Father Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am suffering and torment in these flames. Abraham replied, My child, remember that you received what was good during your lifetime, while Lazarus likewise received what was bad. But now he is comforted here, whereas you are tormented. Moreover, between us and you a great chasm is established, to prevent anyone from crossing who might wish to go from our side to yours or from your side to ours. He said, Then I beg you, Father, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they too come to this place of torment. But Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. He said, O oh, no, Father Abraham, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Then Abraham said, If they will not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded if someone should rise from the dead. And that's our passage for today. Let's take a few moments of silence and ask the Holy Spirit, ask God to reveal to us what he wants to say to us through these words today. Whenever you're ready, Sam. Okay, so um, the only thing that's said about the rich man mm -hmm. while he's alive mm -hmm. is there was a rich man who dressed in purple garments of fine linen and dined sumptuously each day, mm -hmm. right? Um, I guess what strikes me most about this passage is that he received, it says that he received what was good during his lifetime. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing inherently wrong in, in receiving what mm -hmm. good things, right? Like somebody, for instance, one thing somebody might say, well, including me, is I'm blessed. I have a lot of good things, right? I have a family. I have enough to eat. I have enough money to survive. I have a car, two cars, you know? Yeah. And by a lot of the world's standards, I'm very wealthy, right? You and I are probably taken globally. Top. Taken globally, you and I are in the top 10%, definitely. Sure. Of uh, the wealthiest people on earth. Sure. And so that was all he did, mm -hmm. right? So... In other words, he didn't do anything actively in bad. In other words, right? he didn't... He, it doesn't say anything about him abusing Lazarus, right. hurling insults at him. Right. It doesn't even... I mean, obviously, he probably knew Lazarus was there. Mm -hmm. In the same way that we know that there are homeless and poor people outside our door, mm -hmm. right? So what was it that caused... What did the rich man do wrong? I guess that's kind of what I'm focusing on. Mm -hmm. What did he do wrong that ended up, ended him in torment? Right. Everlasting flames in the netherworld, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of an image of hell. Sure. And on the other hand, Lazarus was just living out his lot in life. He wasn't, it doesn't say anything about him doing anything particularly virtuous. It doesn't say that he was a, a man of faith, mm -hmm. that he followed God's law or that he or that he prayed all the time. That or he anything. prayed or anything. Yeah. He just was basically just being himself yep. in his poor state with so covered in sores. You know, he probably couldn't have worked if he wanted to. He was in a pitiable state. And yet their fortunes are reversed in the, the afterlife. Yep. And this this it bothers me. I wonder if it bothers you and our viewers as well. It seems really cruel. Well, it seems unfair. It seems unfair of Jesus to yeah. 
to make this distinction when when neither the rich man did anything kind of objectively, let's say actively wrong, mm-hmm. and the rich man doesn't seem to have done anything. The poor man. The or the poor man anything actively good. Yeah. Right. They were both just living out what had happened to them, kind of accepting their fate. Yeah. Um, I think we have to assume that the rich man, uh, like you said in your the, the little reflection beforehand, when when we are given something, it's not just for us. It's actually for the poor as well. That's actually Catholic social thing, right? Mm-hmm. Our excess belongs to the poor, mm-hmm. right? I kind of said that last Sunday. I was preaching here at Holy Family. Right. Yes. Our, well. our excess belongs to the poor. And, yeah. and the, the catechism even goes so far to say, if you withhold your excess from the poor, then you are stealing from the poor, which is a, yep. that's an active, active evil, right? That's, yep. that's violating that, the Ten Commandments. And that idea comes from our, probably our greatest teacher over the centuries, which is St. Thomas Aquinas says mm-hmm. that. That's yeah. where the catechism, that's what the Catholic catechism Church. is quoting him, basically. Yeah. So I guess yeah. we, we have to assume that he was, that he knew Lazarus was there, that he saw Lazarus and knew his need, but he did nothing. Basically, mm-hmm. he he decided, too bad for Lazarus. I'm going to enjoy what I've been blessed with, and ignored his needs. Can, Can I assume that? Well, okay, I'll I'll clarify that a little bit. You'll probably agree with me. I hope so. Um, I don't think he made a conscious decision necessarily. Okay. I just think he didn't even notice the guy was there because when someone's like, if you see the same person every day and you don't know them, like I I drive by on my way to work, for instance, a crossing guard, and I kind of see the person every day or every time I go to work, they're there, but they're just like part of the landscape. I just expect that crossing guard, and if it was a different person wearing the crossing guard's vest and holding up that stop sign, I would probably, even, probably wouldn't even notice the difference because I just expect the crossing guard to be there, but I don't really notice the person. I think that's, I would say that's maybe even more important than the question of the money because once you recognize that that person's a person, then immediately it's like the beginning of a relationship. And until you do, the person is just an object or a thing. Right, that you don't really notice, just part of the background. You're sort of robbing them of their dignity as a human. I'm going to say a really interesting thing I've been thinking about for a long time is the difference between background and foreground. I used to love to draw, still do a bit. Uh, But it's like (laughs) when you look at something, like I'm looking at a room now, I look outside the window, and the things that that you can't, you you see everything all at once physically, but you're not actually noticing everything all at once. Right. Think about music. Um, in order to play music, which I don't do, and, or, or even sing, you've got to be able to pick out, especially if you're playing music or singing with others, you've got to be able to like pick out, you, you, you can hear the, the main tune, you need to hear it. Is that right? Yes. Oh, yeah. You can't, you can't sing unless you can hear it. Right. And that's why not having a monitor, I was in that situation actually a little while ago, a couple of weeks ago, a little church service, community, community church service in, in our community. There was no monitor. There was a woman who came up to do a couple of things. She had a wonderful voice. She was a gospel singer, but there was no monitor, so she couldn't hear herself. Yeah. She had to actually go down off the stage in front of the speakers. Anyway, background, you'll, foreground. You'll see, uh, you'll see singers do this. Right. They're, they're just making a headphone for themselves. Right. Like, like bounce, If you do that, it bounces back up to your ear. You can hear right, yourself a lot right. better. Wow. I yeah. just tired that. People, tried people will sing I've like, oh, before. if you see them doing that, that's why. Makes a lot of sense. Because you, uh, you, uh, you can sing, but you can't, you can't find the key. Yeah. Unless you can hear yourself. <laughs> You'll be so off. So I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with this thing about background foreground because I think we actually need training. Some people have a gift. You have a gift for music, in my opinion. Your family has a gift for music. Um, some people in my family do. I don't especially. But with training, if you don't have a special gift, you, you can start to notice things in people that you wouldn't otherwise notice as people, right? And let's just focus back on that. And... Not just like someone you just like go by, you just go by, you just go by, you just go by, which is what, what the rich man did. 
Yeah, you, so you're saying um, you can you can almost learn or train yourself. Or be trained by others. Or be trained by others to see what's in the background and not just what's foreground. I know like a fellow, and I talk about the food bank because it's my experience, and you probably could say, talk about youth the same way, maybe I'll ask you to. A guy began helping out with our food bank about four years ago. And he worked hard for a living. He worked at Chrysler in Brampton. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's about 70, he began helping out. He's been great for years. But initially it put him off to see people coming who are like able-bodied younger people, especially young men, thinking about themselves like, why aren't these people just working? Good question. They actually should be. Especially when there's a shortage of workers. Right, right. right? This is going back a few years, but yeah. even so, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they should be. I would say that as somebody who helps at the food bank, people who are able-bodied should actually work. But in the meantime, if you get to know people over time, you might start to figure out for different reasons. Like sometimes people will make an appointment and won't come. You think about this person has just called you and said, it happened today. Um, we're really low on food. Can we come? And they didn't show up. So think about it. What is going on in someone's life? They're not being selfish. They're not being lazy. They just don't know how to live properly. I don't know if you've, you, you've known people like that. It's like, oh my goodness, whether it's an addiction, whether it's whatever, I'm, it's not an excuse. They actually need, they need, but from my side, what I would say with, with this friend, his name is Larry, over several years, helping us out in our community group, and always do it with a very good heart from the very beginning. But over time, he uses this expression, you gotta, you gotta walk a mile in someone else's shoes. Well, you don't actually get to do that one on this side of, the, of helping people, but you get to know them over time. You, you start to hear stories, you start to meet people, you start to meet, sometimes people come with their kids and you say like, well, this is a, this is a mom or dad with young children. So we've gotta like, I know one family in particular, one guy comes with his little, little daughter and he, our friend Larry, he's got like gotten to know them as, neighbors they live near near each other actually so it takes time and it takes maybe other people to guide you when you can start to see another person as a person i'm sure it's the same with youth because i know church people especially if the, the youth the young person is not a church goer they don't know how to behave in church they don't know how to dress for church they just see like a teenager in a bad sense right church people do that and and uh, maybe you could talk about that a bit because that's i'm sure something you've experienced as somebody who is in youth ministry um it's not just youth. It's like anybody who's like kind of an other. Sure. Like outside of your comfort zone. Comfort zone. Yeah. You sort of tend to see other people's suspicion and, you know, wonder what, why they're doing what they're doing. Well, yeah, mm -hmm. like we had a, there was someone fairly new to the area, new to the youth group there on Saturday night who was wearing his hat in church. I noticed that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and eating. He, before that he was eating right in the, in yeah. the seat, which of course Catholics don't do. Yeah, out of respect. Out of respect for the Eucharist. So yeah. I kind of, I went up to him and kind of said like, you're not, you're not really doing anything wrong. I just know that people will, mm -hmm. you know, probably freak out if they, so uh, <laughs> I asked him to wrap it up kind of. And, um, and he did. How do you he take did. it? He did. did. Did he understand? Yeah. Yeah. I think. Um, and he had a great night, but my, my point is that you might, you might see someone like that and just go, oh, what's the matter with them? Right Why off. Are they write, write them off out right off yeah. the bat. And that's, it's a temptation for everybody. This is why I find I relate to the rich guy in, the, mm -hmm. in this story because I, we've all done that. And, I, and that, make, that brings me to my next question, which maybe you can help me answer. You know, it, it brings up a question of uh, can we accidentally wind up in hell? offending God and ending up in hell? Well, I'll let tie into my phrase, which just, is just by being ourselves and doing our thing and yeah. not really doing anything that Willfully we knew wrong. was wrong. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or do we have to assume that he was doing something wrong? He was definitely doing something wrong. So my phrase was a great chasm between us and you. This is Abraham. This is 
Jesus is telling a story. He's not talking about something that actually happened, but Abraham, mm -hmm. who was the ancestor of the Jewish people, their father in the faith, and we as Christians would say he's our father in faith too, though not literally our genealogical ancestor, is taken to be like in heaven. And in fact, heaven is often is referred to in this case as like the bosom of Abraham, like he's, he's gathered you in. Your, your great, 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 great grandfather, Abraham, has gathered you in. There he is. He's welcomed you into heaven kind of thing. Like the eternal family. Right. God's family, right? Yeah. And God chose to start his family with Abraham and his wife, Sarah. Anyway, um, the great chasm I was thinking about is like, it just means like a, like a ravine, a canyon, and, but it's, it's impassable. Nobody can pass. Not this way to that way, not that way to this way. I was thinking about a couple of things. First of all, I was thinking that every division, not, not every difference, not every, not every distinctiveness, but every division, anything that divides us from each other and from God, and even from creation, from the rest of the world, all division comes from evil. If it's us versus them, then it comes from evil. Even if it's them versus us, they think we're their enemies, but we as Christians, if you're following Jesus and you, and you trust him and his promises, you know that we're ultimately united because we're all, we all come from God. We all have the same heavenly father beyond even Abraham. So unity comes from God, is a gift of the Holy Spirit. And a, and a mark of the church. And a mark of the church, that's right. And division, I've talked about this it's before. Satan's thing. Satan's thing. Uh, it's, it's, it's actually the word devil. The, the word devil. The means, devil. means the one who divides. Yeah, and right? Satan is one who accuses. Right. Right, yeah. Yeah, so there's that. And the other thing is that Jesus poses a problem that cannot be humanly solved. Not only, right. not only this is interesting to me, it's like not only can no one come from hell to heaven, but no one, Abraham says in the story Jesus tells, can go from heaven to hell. Okay, humanly speaking, cannot be solved. Even heavenly speaking, the angels cannot cross. We cannot cross. No one can cross. But the reality is God can. So that chasm between like the, 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 the fundamental division between us and God can be bridged by one and only one, and that is Jesus. Because Jesus takes on within himself that ultimate division, which is called sin. He can bridge it. And in fact, it kills him. But because he's God, he overcomes that division. Yeah. Well, it, it just reminds me of like, um, yeah, the, 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 you know, when it, maybe it's a little later in the gospel, I can't remember where, where it is, but mm -hmm. um, the apostles and the disciples get asking him this, right? Because he's talking about it's how hard it is for a rich man to enter heaven. Right. 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 And, um, and they, they say like, well, then who can be saved? Sure. And they're, they're basically echoing what I was just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like if, if I'm the rich man and you're the rich man and there's Lazarus around, all around us, who can be saved, sure. right? All, almost all of us act the way the rich man does. We don't see anything wrong with that. It's because only God... Almost all of us who are comfortable. Almost all of us, yeah. Who are comfortable. Who are comfortable. And we're right. always trying to overcome that and sure. do good, but like we fail, right? And so it just, it reminds me just that, um, well, what Jesus says is, is that without God, this is impossible, right? But with God, all things are possible. I think that's where he's yeah. in John, John's gospel. It's a few times, I think it's... Mark chapter 10 is one place. He's talking with a rich young man. Yeah. There's more than one place that comes up. He goes up. away. He goes away yeah. sad, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That again refers to the, the, the whole that wealth, which I think refers to everything that makes us comfortable, which we actually need in this life. Um, but to my, again, just to finish my point. Yeah. Even if the rich man had been a good and virtuous and holy person. Right. He still would not have been able to bridge the chasm between us and God. Right. Sin created. Yes. We need Jesus to do that. Right, Jesus yeah. is the one who bridges that gap. So I so because we can't get there by our by our our good deeds and our good actions. We need the grace of God. We need the grace of Jesus. And in Luke's gospel, all throughout, money 
in all, it's there in all the Gospels, but in Luke in particular, if you're rich, you have to be, you're, you're, there's a, it's a warning to you if you're rich. All of Luke's Gospels, he focuses on the warnings to the rich and he focuses on the invitations to the poor. Not because poor people are better than rich people, not because rich people are worse than poor people, but because rich people have something poor people don't, which is the means to have a comfortable life on this earth. Basically, globally, I'm in that category. Yep. You're in that category. Maybe not in Canada, but globally we are, for sure. And actually even in Canada, I'm, I have we're, a stable We're life. well in the richest 10% of the yeah, global population. Yeah, and even Maybe in Canada. Even like, less than that. I was thinking, I've been thinking about this for a while. This is the way I think about it. I've never had to worry about not having a meal. Yeah, me neither. I mean, there have been in situations where like traveling or something and I wasn't sure how to get where I, like was there someplace open to get food or whatever, right? I could be hungry, but I've never actually had to worry about getting a meal. I've never had to worry. Well, that's not true. Very, very, living in Canada, I've never had a time in my life when I was actually afraid for my life. Before I came starve. to Canada. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. Like someone might kill me oh. as well, right? Yeah. Actually living in a safe place is a pretty amazing thing. Mm-hmm. Living in Canada, most of, of us. It's a, it is. a privilege. But right? people who live like in the form that burned down there, Yep. Not that they'd be afraid to be killed, but they, they would be like realistically afraid of violence or on a daily basis. To death or yeah. Living on the street or whatever. Just just a couple blocks away. That's burned yeah. down now, right? Mm-hmm. So my point is those are bad things are actually bad. God wants us to help people get out of those situations. And to the extent that they're stuck there, do our best to support them in those situations. That's true. But that the fundamental divide is not between rich and poor. It's just a reflection of I think I would say this. God sees us all as united because we are all his children. In fact, even our relationships with nature, with creation, we have a role to play as stewards to, to, to take what we need and, and use it for our sustenance. But we still have to respect every creature. Respect doesn't mean not, not eat. Um, I'm not going to eat you, for instance, but I'm not even going to eat my dog, but I do eat meat. I do eat vegetables. So my, like, anyway, the, but the unity of people in particular is really, really important to God. And mm-hmm. only Christ, can, only Jesus can bring that about. But I was also thinking, see, see what you think about this. I'll throw this out to you. Some people have such ter- have had someone or a group of people do such terrible things to them that I don't think it's realistic or even good to expect them to forgive that other person. What do you think? Because we would say, yeah, shouldn't you forgive? Shouldn't you forgive? And I'm saying, I don't think that's a good idea always if someone's really harmed you. Yeah, I mean, only there are, ti- there are times when bringing that up and, mm-hmm. and asking them to forgive would actually just make the wound worse. Right. It would actually harm them. Yeah. To to make them feel guilty for not forgiving or whatever. You know, I you're, you're just imposing and you're, you're imposing another layer yeah. of shame. Yeah. On something that's already like crippling them. Right. They're, that's all. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, yeah. Yeah. It's just that's just like a pastoral. So we can't do that. No, of course not. But uh, well, so what I was thinking about is like because I was watching the Queen's funeral. And the person who got my attention the most was Andrew. Okay. Because Andrew, apparently, I can't verify it, but apparently did some nasty things. The Duke of York, publicly disgraced. Your phone is buzzing. Somebody needs you. It is buzzing. Um, and I was thinking about how he was a visible sign of sin. Like he's a public sinner. He really is. Yeah. What's between him and God? I have no idea. What he actually did, even I don't, I can't even verify what he actually did or didn't do. But I was thinking like, what about the people he may have victimized? Where are they? Like, he's getting the spotlight, literally. He's, mm-hmm. he's getting all this attention. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking, I'm still glad that he was at his mother's funeral because he's family. And that is, his mother's death should be a reminder to him that he is accountable before God, that he needs to repent, and actually not just repent, but actually do something about it. Make recompense, yeah. restitution. 
Yep. That's what I was looking for. But also that God calls all of us. I'm not better than Andrew as a person in terms of my, I have done what he's did. So I'm not going to be relativizing my life or his life, whatever he may have done. But still before God, I need forgiveness. I need repentance. And I was thinking about the word family because he's there because he's part of the family. Mm-hmm. His mother just died. And their father just died a couple of years, like was it April of last year. That's a big deal that at a Christian, for a Christian, for a follower of Jesus, even someone who's done terrible things is still part of the family, still part of the community. And we know people who've done terrible things, um, even our priests, some of whom we've met and known and, and worked with, uh, and other people as well who've done terrible things to others. They're still part of our community, they're still part of our family. So we as a community have to somehow hold that together and we can't do that without God. I don't know. I was thinking about like, that's that, that's that creepy guy who actually harmed underage people, Andrew. Yep. Not out the window. Nope. I just heard something. Yeah, yeah. They're just coming to mow the lawns. But, but he belongs and we're still connected to him because he's, he's part of the community. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, in, in a, I guess in a spirit of love and, and mercy, we should want him to return mm-hmm. and to repent. Not like, like not suffer more. Sure. Right? Now that people, criminals do have to suffer for what they've done. Mm-hmm. In a, certainly in a societal sense, people yep. should be held accountable for what they've done. And punished. And punished. Um, but I, I guess, is it, too, is it too radical to say that if there's no hope for, for Andrew, then there's no hope for us? You know, like it's the same, the hope comes from the same place. Right. Right? Like you said, the fact, the fact is we all need it. We all need the mercy of God. Um, that, that's what links us together. Right? Mm-hmm. We're all in this boat together, basically. Um, it's very easy just to sit and pick out the five or six worst people that we can think of and go, well, at least I'm not as bad as them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, think that's, uh, I don't think that's helpful. But again, the, the, yeah, like you were saying, there are the victims. I think those of us who aren't directly victimized should, uh, should hold to that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, extremely hard if someone's, if you've been a victim to, uh, to come to that point. A practical thought I had is, so I don't think we should, we, we should never be asking people who've been really seriously harmed and victimized just to forgive every, as if everything's over. We should never do that. But I have people in my life who I've had disagreements with and I think they're wrong and they probably think I'm wrong. So I'm thinking somewhere in between like, you, you're just bugging me because you like, like to bug me and actually serious harm. Somewhere in between, they're like, they're ser- there is serious, but not like, not abuse, not whatever. So there are people in our lives whom we are not reconciled with and we need reconciliation. So practical outcome for me from this is, I don't know how to reconcile with the people I need to reconcile with. Sometimes I try and fail, seems to go nowhere, but I do believe in trust and I, I think I'm called to respond to that, the reality that, that Jesus can bridge that gap that I, I don't know how to bridge. I just had a really weird um, thought. Okay. This Rich Man and Lazarus thing reminds me of the uh, Christmas Carol, Dickens' Christmas Carol. Yes, yes. And Tiny Tim. Yes. Right? Where he, everyone knows the story, but Tiny Tim is a bit like Lazarus. Mm-hmm. He's like, a, and it's like you said, in the, he's in the background. Right. Right? He's not in the foreground. He's not a, Ebenezer's not Scrooge. always, yeah, Ebenezer Scrooge isn't always yeah. um, in contact with Tiny Tim. Tiny yeah. Tim is in the background of. Ebenezer, Scrooge's life. No, not Scrooge's life. Uh, well, um, story. Who's the, who's his dad? Who's the guy? Bob Cratchit. For? Bob Cratchit's. He, he's central to Bob Cratchit's life, but not necessarily to Ebenezer Scrooge's. And yet, when he goes into the future mm-hmm. and is shown his future self, he's being he's in facing damnation. One of the reasons for that is that he ignored the needs of this very obvious 
need right in his midst, mm -hmm. right? He didn't see it. Um, and he's held accountable for that. Yeah. Which makes me wonder again, um, what am I accountable for that I don't even really see, right? Yep. Am I just blind to the needs of, of so many people around? I think, I think um, security and even comfort are good things. I like them. And we are, like you were saying earlier, I agree with that. They're things that God wants everyone to have, but there's no true comfort or security in the material things that we can provide for ourselves. That's, that's probably one of the things that Jesus is trying to show here. It's like, you think you got it good, you're in trouble. So the only way out, I think, is to put yourself in, in kind of a risky situation in a, in a prudent way. But prudence means taking some risks. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, like, how would, what would it be like to sort of like get to know somebody who's dealing with a serious addiction, for instance, and not get caught up in, in, in their har the harm they're doing to themselves or other people? But it's like, do you actually know someone who's dealing with a serious addiction? Because a lot of people are dealing with serious addictions as a person. So like, just like half a step outside of our personal comfort zones, there are people whom we can probably make contact with who like, okay, that's what it's like. So is that the next step for people then? I'm saying that, yeah. It's, it's to, um, to try and to try and be aware of, what, of the invisible. Yeah. The people that until now were invisible. Well, you can kind of like, 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 like your peripheral vision. So you can, I'm sure the rich man saw Lazarus, but he didn't ever look at him. So just like, what would happen if he just went like that and looked at that person as a person? Another, another comparison I thought of is when you go to a resort. I don't know if you've been to a resort. Have you? No. I was at a resort exactly once yeah. on my honeymoon. Um, resorts are artificially pleasant places. Sure. They're usually in a very poor neighborhood. Right. On prime land that no, none of the locals can afford. Mm -hmm. And just outside the gates are like just right. the average people living a certain way, living, yep. trying to survive and all those things. Yep. Yep. And, um, and unless you go looking for it, you can't see it at a, at a resort. Right? Mm -hmm. Unless you like actually leave the gates yeah. and go out, you won't see it. And that I think is the message that we need to, to get you know, out. That's a good example because I'm from a very poor country. So part of it, um, like some of my family would go to resorts and stuff, but I kind of avoid stuff like that. Cause it's like, it's really weird to me. Mm -hmm. I'm from a country where there are resorts and I know what it's like not to be part of the resort, though we were not poor by any means. But what really got my attention was, like I would say in response to that, we actually know if you're from a poor country or poor neighborhood, there's a lot of joy in the real life of the people around you and that like that kind of sheltered or gated or enclosed communities actually not as joyful because it's in, it's an what you call it an artificial environment yeah yeah like i've i've been to fancy restaurants i like fancy food but like a good meal with with the real people is way more joyful than a fancy meal sam is desperately trying to rescue us from <laughs> losing power here yeah i'm slightly distracted <laughs> sorry uh, reminds me of that <laughs> that video that we show sometimes where we're losing power without jesus yeah. Remember that video falling plates oh yeah 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 uh, yeah so i actually think there is actually more joy are we good yep we're good i actually think when when we take those those little steps like our friend i was mentioning his wife was already involved with the food bank we already have a group of people doing something that would not be comfortable for him, but he started doing it. Yeah. Take that little step with support from people around you who have already taken that step. Imagine like hanging around with people, kids of the youth group. What if you're not comfortable with teenagers? I remember being like kind of intimidated to hang around teenagers because it can be intimidating because it's just unfamiliar. But I know from as being a guest I'm over so the years. I'm so intimidated by them. Are you? Every time. Okay. Well, that's a good point. That's fair enough. But like. They're scary. Because? They're 
they have a lot of like you you never know what their expectations are of you you never know what they're thinking of you if they're judging you sure like for someone like me who's like very influenced by what people think of me you want their good opinion i want their good opinion so they all do to some extent right so i'm always worried that i'm going to be basically it's a fear of rejection yeah because they do they do reject some people like outright and when they do you can forget, forget about, about earning it. it back it's like gone well you never know for sure but yeah well, what I was thinking is when I've come as a guest to the youth group over the and years... And they speak a different language. The fact that there are some of the teenagers <laughs> whom I know and, 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 and the adults who are helping yeah. lead whom I know makes it easier for me to come in and feel like, okay, I may feel insecure here, but I know some of the kids and I know some of the adults, so like I can, I can step into that teenager zone and not feel like I'm, I'm just alone and intimidated. So I think that's, that's a really good thing for us to do. And I will throw one, another one out there. People are, might, might have this experience. We probably all have some people in our life we haven't seen for a really long time because it was like a disagreement, maybe not even a big deal, but it just it just cut off the relationship. And I think that's something that any one of us can do. And I've actually done that over the last few years, um, especially once the shutdowns were like not as scary as they were before, but more annoying for me. <laughs> I called some people up I hadn't seen for like 20 years and they were happy to hear from me, including people I like I didn't know if they wanted to hear from me again. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something else that we can respond to. I, I do think it though it comes, this comes down to Jesus. Like he's the one who can bridge the gap because he can give us his Holy Spirit who can like, who can open doors that no one else can open, who can bridge gaps that no one else can bridge. And I think that's, that's a gift. That's, that's what I think, this is a warning, this message from Luke chapter 16, but it's also an invitation. How poetic. What a poetic way to end. Can I do a chosen promo? I think you definitely should. Yeah. Because it is a way that you can engage um, with others, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe, hopefully, especially people that are not yet members of our community, that live in our broader community, but, but are members of our church community. So this is really for everyone, but in particular for those that are members of our parish. We are hosting a video series called The Chosen. You might have heard of it, maybe not. It's the, the story of the life of Jesus told in a dramatic fashion. So um, they'll have like a season. Eight episodes is one season, so we're showing all eight episodes on Wednesdays beginning on October 5th. And uh, that's the premiere on October 5th. There's childcare. It's at 6 o'clock at the Holy Family School on October 5th. On the Thursday at 7 o'clock, we're showing that same episode at the Paramount Theater in, in Hanover. Yeah. So everybody likes going to the Paramount. It's their 125th anniversary or something. It's crazy. Wow. 125th? That's impossible. 100th. There were no movie theaters in 18... Yeah. 97? There were not. No. 1920s <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's been a long, long time that it's been showing. Is it it's 100 years? Whatever it is. I don't know. Whatever. That's a big anniversary. anniversary. Big anniversary. Anyway, everyone loves going to the Paramount. It's free admission, free popcorn and a drink on Thursday, October 6th at 7 o'clock. Tell all your friends about it. Tell people about it. We're trying to fill the place up. There's lots of seating. And if you're not a member of Holy Family or not connected to us yet, this is a great opportunity. Just show up. You can yeah. just show up. It's a movie theater. You don't have to talk to anybody. Just come on in and yeah. watch the show. Watch the show. We're Sam gonna speak will be there. Little, I'm going to speak at the end a little bit. You can bug them. Invite everybody to come Throw to... popcorn at them. Come back on the 12th. No, because don't do that. From, must... the, from the 12th to November 23rd on Wednesday nights, we're offering a meal as well. Yeah. So it's a meal with childcare provided. We're going to watch the show at Holy Family School in the gym and a little discussion at the end. Yeah, I think it's going to be fantastic, uh, both for our seasoned members and also for um, anyone who's new. Anyone and, and, everyone, was, and everyone in between. Anyone thinking about how to connect with us. So come and make it a huge success. Bridge the gap. It will do so much for my own ego, ego no. and, and mental well-being.
Oh my goodness, and, and my, my feeling of being accepted and approved of. Well, actually, we all need that to some extent. You may just have a greater need than most oh, I people. Just, I, yeah, I'm just a people person, so I, that's what I fear the most. Rejection and failure. That's a poignant note. Let's end on that. I'll pray. Let's pray for Sam. <laughs> just to be clear, I don't feel rejected or but you like fear much it. of a failure, but I fear it. Yeah. I, I was just thinking, I'm 56, and as you might have heard a couple of weeks ago, I've had surgery. And no, so go. I don't have it does hurt a little bit if I laugh. Oh, is it? Oh, I'm There's sorry. No, fear. no, it's not that big a deal. It's fine. Uh, where was I going with this? Nowhere. Oh, I know. I think it's very easy to feel, I wonder if Lazarus might have felt like that. Like, like you just said, like no one ever recognizes you. You feel like no one ever recognizes you, which you, of course you have people that recognize your, your, your wonderful family and friends, maybe even me, uh, and lots of other people. But it is a real fear. And I, I, what I was going to relate to is like, feeling at this stage of my life and just having this serious surge, like, have I actually done anything worthwhile in my life? And I know I have at some real level that I can point to and people tell me, and it's not just something I'm making up, but it's like, sometimes you can just feel kind of futile. Mm. And uh, we can all feel a bit like Lazarus, just like lying by the side of the road and no one cares and no one notices. So I want to pray for all of us who have felt that way, which is, includes me, it has included Sam. Uh, maybe you feel like that. And, and, um, and how Jesus is not only warning those who are comfortable, but also inviting those who feel like no one notices, no one cares, because he does. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, because you have done the impossible. You've bridged the gap between us and God, for we're all sinners. We've all fallen away. We're all lost. And some of us more visibly and noticeably than others, but many, many others, and it's certainly been me, Lord, uh, just sort of gradually drifted away from you and your way, your path. Um, so I just want to thank you that you have given your life, literally gave your life on the cross. You did the impossible. You bridged the gap. You have opened up a place in my heart, in our hearts for real hope and joy that gives us a reason to get up in the morning. It gives us a reason to respond to your call and, and even gives us that deep certainty and peace that this life is not the end of the story, but that you have even more that you have, you have you're opening doors for in the life that, that will come. And we just want to pray for the gift of your Holy Spirit and all those who feel unrecognized, lost, and futile today, that you will know that the Lord loves and knows you. He knows you by name, and he wants to pour his spirit into you when you turn to him. And we hope and pray that you'll be inspired to reach out to us, Sam and me, and any one of us here connected to Holy Family, because we just want to be uh, there for you as much as we can and as much as you want. We want to recognize you as a person, not because we want to get you, but because you matter, because you matter to God and you matter to us. We thank you for all these amazing things. And I remember especially, we remember especially that um, um, you've given us uh, God as our father and Mary, your human mother, as our mother. So we're all family. We all belong no matter what we've done, no matter who we are. And we praise and thank you for all these things, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody. And we thanks, will. Sam. Thank you, Deacon Charles. We'll see you all next week. God willing. God willing. Sorry about last week. <laughs> sorry about last week. Sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry is what he said. In case you didn't hear that, you probably did hear it because he's got his mic on. See you next time. <laughs>